This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Flush. I'm your host, Eva, and I'm joined here today by Bryony Cole. Bryony is the founder of the Sex Tech School, the host of the Future of Sex podcast, and the world's leading authority on sex tech. Bryony, how are you? Oh, <laughs> I'm so good. I'm so happy to be looking at you and hanging out. This is going to be great. I know. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Um, we're, we're mutually crushing right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to start very basic. What exactly is sex tech? Oh, yeah. This is a good question. I feel like this will really you know, level set everyone about when we first hear the word sex tech, what comes to mind? No. Sex robots. Yeah, all the time. I feel like when I first heard the word sex tech too, it's sex robots. It's sex and technology. How does that mix? And it is sex robots, but also it's so many different things. So the way I like to think about it is if we think about sexuality and technology, so sex tech being the compound of those two words, Mm -hmm. sex tech, what falls into the sexuality bucket? It's definitely sex, but also sex education, sexual assault, crime and violence reporting, sexual medicine, our health, anything, gender identity, the Mm -hmm. way we move in the world, our sexuality is that. So the sex side of sex tech is so many different things beyond just having sex with a robot um, (laughs) or having sex. And then the tech side, of course, robotics. But if we think about technology, it really is just a tool that allows us to do different things. Technology could be a website, it could be an app, it could be a dildo, it also can be artificial intelligence and all the sophisticated technology we think about today that we don't even really understand, blockchain or, you know, people are just like, what? what's the craziest thing? Robotics, um, holograms, AR, mixed realities. So that's the long answer to, to tell To tell you that sex tech is just so many different things. It's so vast because it's sexuality and technology and how those two intersect. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Before we get further into it, I'm just curious, what's your background? How did you come into this work? Yeah, I think no one one studies sex tech yet or comes comes into it. I kind of, I think, came in through a side door through technology and an Mm. interest in um, how technology is just changing our lives in every aspect, you know, and for me it was, you know, I was working in 
business and looking at how it changes in the office from startups and Microsoft. But I also had this really human interest around people and like our behaviors and sex. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like I fell into it in many ways, but I also met people that were designing sex tech and thought, this is rad. Like, why isn't anyone talking about this? And then the podcast was born. Mm, interesting. So one thing that we talk about a lot on the Blush podcast is the orgasm gap. Mm. How is sex tech helping to close that gap? Well, we know about the orgasm gap and that women unfairly, vulva owners, um, don't have as many orgasms. But in cis, hetero, predominantly Mm. um, partnered sex. And so the great thing about sex tech, if we think about the applications, the most obvious is when you're using a sex toy during partnered sex and you can come a lot easier, especially if you're into clitoral stimulation. Mm -hmm. So there's amazing toys and technology out there now that's just designed for that, for partnered sex um, that focuses on the clitoris, like uh, the WeVibe Melt is a good one. The other side of that that sex tech is really great at closing the orgasm gap is around education because like most people don't really know. Thank you for doing the work. Most people don't really know even what the orgasm gap is, let alone how they should be focusing on or what they should be doing. So sex tech in that sense, if we think about the education platforms that are doing really interesting stuff about educating us about our our own orgasms, Sex tech could be considered the website OMG Yes, where, you know, they've taken this study of all these women and how they masturbate and identified the patterns and turned it into somewhat of like a teaching platform mm-hmm. around how to masturbate or how to enjoy um, partnered sex better. So for me, those are like the standout things where sex tech is really important in closing the orgasm gap. It's not like a robot's going to come and be like, don't worry, guys, <laughs> I'm here to save the day. But the, te- the technology is like so much a part of our lives in every way. And those two are such such important things, education and like the actual experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that we talk about a decent amount is painful sex. Mm-hmm. Um, could you talk about, I know there's a product that you've been yeah. talking about that yeah. is in the, the sex tech world for that yeah i'm gonna mess up dyspareunia vulvodynia like painful yeah. sex is a huge problem and i think some of the most interesting sex tech comes out of these problems these lived experiences that founders have mm-hmm. and go how am i going to fix this for myself and find resonance with like oh shit i didn't realize so many other people were having painful sex and so one of the most exciting companies in sex tech right now is called Onut and they're based out in New York City. And um, Emily, who started the company, was really struggling with painful sex with her boyfriend and she tried all these different things. Like she, she this is like true entrepreneur, right? And, and I think we all are in some ways hacking together things to make our lives better, in her case, her sex life, and was trying, how, how do I reduce the pain when we have sex? and putting donuts on her boyfriend's penis at the time mm. to like reduce the depth of penetration. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hang on, this is it. Like, how do we build a prototype around that? And then, you know, if you go to the Onut website today, you'll see it looks very different, but the concept's still really the same. It's like, how do you reduce the depth of penetration so that you can enjoy sex and it's not painful? 
Mm -hmm. Um, And they have a whole lot of pelvic floor therapists that work with them and all that sort of stuff. But that is definitely one of the interesting applications of sex tech is what are the problems that you have in your sex life and how might we help solve them by designing things, tools and services. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I guess that's an interesting point to say sex tech isn't about totally replacing another human. And I think that's where, you know, the robot narrative comes in is we're going to we're going to just use technology to have orgasms. It's like, no, it could be like a really great enhancement or addition, whether that is for helping with painful sex or it's for closing the orgasm gap and realizing, you know what? I really love clitoral stimulation when I'm having sex and mm-hmm. maybe my boyfriend's hands aren't like as robotic as an actual technology piece could be. So mm-hmm. how do we how do we pair that together? Yeah. I mean, yeah, who doesn't like clitoral stimulation? Some people do, but majority, majority. (laughs) I think too. I'm yet to meet a vulva odor who has an (laughs) orgasm without it, so. (laughs) Okay, one last thing I want to touch on before I get deeper into the sex tech stuff. This might be a little bit tangential, but I kind of think of dating apps as Yes. Being a little in this space, right? I mean, it's tech and, you know, eventually yeah. probably you end up having sex. We talk a lot about dating apps. I'm personally a huge proponent. I think they're the most direct way to meet someone. Mm. I, you know, met my partner through a dating app. But I also acknowledge that dating apps are a business. And I think they're designed to keep you there because that's how they make money, right? It's not like a dating charity app. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's a business. And, you know, there's, I think there's problems when we have too many choices. Sometimes it's hard to actually commit. I think there's the dopamine hit that you get from it that's oh, yeah. quite literally addictive. Just curious, what are your thoughts on this? Yes. Well, dating apps are certainly part of sex tech. Anything to do with intimacy is part of sex tech. So I think they're fascinating. I think dating apps are evolving so fast, especially with our own current situation. You know, I don't know a dating app now that doesn't offer video, whereas Mm -hmm. uh, three years ago we weren't doing video chats. And so it's so interesting to me about dating apps um, is how it kind of shifts culture and how it shifts the way we relate intimately with mm-hmm. people and how we date. Like, t- amazing that technology can do it. But I will say there's kind of this, like, feeling in in sex tech and in dating apps of, like, it being totally dystopian and we're all just sitting there on our couches scrolling mm-hmm. and getting these dopamine hits. Or utopia where it's like, hey, you can find the love of your life through, um, you know, sitting on your couch. So there's always two schools of thought around this sort of technology and how the algorithms school you, right, Mm -hmm. or control you. And I always think you really have to be mindful of how you're using the technology. Like it's it's not the responsibility of Hinge or Bumble to look after you. As you said, they've got their own priorities. They have to make their own money. So you have to be really mindful in how you're using the dating app and how you're using, we can extrapolate that to social media or anything. Mm-hmm. And go, here's, here's what it's good for. Here's the pro of the tool. I could, I have opportunity to meet so many people. How's it changed? It's changed the way I even like relate to people and I'm more comfortable video chatting. But here's the, here's the like caution sign that needs to be going off in my head. Like you can't have that running all day or like, you know that's when you get into trouble when you start to rely on that as a means for 
connection and community or feeling liked or feeling some sort of self-worth and you kind of rip and replace like your own self-awareness with um, an app, Mm -hmm. which sounds so simple, right? Mm -hmm. But it actually, it's happened to me. I think it's happened to a lot of my girlfriends and friends that I've talked to too, but it's like we need to actually be very mindful about how we use our technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Okay, I want to get more into the sex tech. What are some mm. current trends? Mm. Yeah, okay, so there's there's a big movement at the moment around, I think, uh, the, like, flavor of the month is either um, blockchain or artificial intelligence and using that in terms of sex. How might we use that to better our sex lives Mm -hmm. and so for the artificial intelligence stuff it's just like that you know writing programs and writing conversations and things there's some really cool stuff that's been around for a while Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of Slutbot, which is like the bot that you can text that helps you with sexting no oh my gosh it's great so this is like one that I think is so great because like there's a educational element I mean we're all so far behind with our sex ed right is but we can agree pretty much universally it's terrible in school right yeah. and then you add technology in the mix and we're sexting and we're you know we're sharing all sorts of things and no one has any clue about privacy but also how to do it effectively like no one taught me how to sext no so no one i can definitely yeah, say yeah, we were not taught that in school styles you know but that kind of would be cool to include i think today for for kids around you know mitigating revenge porn and like how to sex yes. safely and how where to store your photos so that sort of stuff yes, now that needs to be taught 1000% so slutbot is you know i mean it's for anyone but you can sign up and you can sext and learn how to you know sexed back and forth with a robot or call it artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. and it sends you stuff and you can go on like a choose your own adventure journey but it kind of helps you hone your skills as to like this is how I might want to sex someone this is what I'm comfortable with this sort of stuff is too hardcore this is it and it's great I mean how good as a learning tool you're not trying mm-hmm. on another human you're trying with this bot that just texts you occasionally and helps you sext there's a there's I, oh, slap bot slut it, slut bot excuse oh, my aussie oh how cute <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, I definitely need to start texting Slutbot. Yeah. I have quite literally not once sexted someone in my entire there you life. Go. You so. could just start with Slutbot. Yeah. You know, and just see how it makes you feel. And I think that's kind of the beautiful part. There's other things that technology does doing that, that does really well that we were talking about dating. And um I forget um what it's called but it's I think it's actually ghost bot so and again we're talking about bots and Mm -hmm. writing these programs to enhance our lives and ghost bot is primarily for women on dating apps where you send um, a message and you may connect with someone but then perhaps it becomes a bit more intense or the guy keeps messaging and you're kind of not interested but there's a level of emotional labor that you have to do on those dating apps to like close this out close this conversation out nicely because 
you don't want it to ramp up or something, you know, some sort of violence, which is a sad state of the world. Um, when women feel on a dating app, I, I don't, I will have to be nice to close this out. In any mm-hmm. case, GoSpot is like your outsourced emotional labor. You send it the text. You, uh, sorry, you send the number. I think here, can you please close out this conversation with John on Bumble? And it does it. Wow. Beautifully, respectfully, but you don't have to engage. And it's a bot that's writing these texts for you. Wow. To close that conversation out without you feeling, you know, there's all sorts of new feelings that come up, anxiety, how am I going to close this out? How am I going to deal with this person if it goes sort of south? I mean, I wish that we had that in person, right? When things, you know, you're on a date yeah. and you're like, this isn't working and this guy, like, I need to exit the situation. But this is, again, an example of technology being used to make our lives easier. And then on the flip side, you think, okay, if young kids are using GhostBot, how are they going to develop the communication and the emotional literacy to be able to get out of those conversations easier? So technology always gives and takes Mm -hmm. um, from our like emotional intelligence, particularly the sex tech. So it's being, again, being mindful. But if you feel like you've developed the the capacity to be able to communicate really clearly, yeah, go for it with GhostBot. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. I have so much to say on this. First off, I feel like the in-person version would be so easy to make. It would be like, do you remember that old cliche thing of having a friend call you to pretend there was an emergency? Yes. Yes. Right? Someone start this. Or you know what? I'm claiming a copyright. Um, (laughs) You know what? It does exist. Oh, there you go. So there's a bracelet right now that you can get, I wish I remembered the name, it's going to escape me, but we, we can maybe link it in the notes that you can mm-hmm. do that will you can press when you're on a date and then mm-hmm. it will call your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, it also tracks you and it's for safety in terms of like where you are and it can also call your five friends to tell you this is where I am. Mm-hmm. It will send them pings of your location and also if you're in like a situation that's an emergency, we'll send, you know, the police or... Wow, I should get that for my single friends. Right? Yeah, I wish I wish I knew about all this stuff back when I was single. Yeah, well, it just it keeps coming and I think the best part is it's it's made by people who saw the need. Mm-hmm. Who were like I was in this really dangerous situation, what if I just had this? And right. that's the best part of best part of sex tech is that and l- less about what if we had robot girlfriends and boyfriends (laughs) which is just an idea someone literally had on the couch and was just like we should do this you know but if you've gone through a situation whether it's traumatic or it's like intense pleasure you want how do I either prevent that so protection or how do Mm -hmm. I like do that again in terms of pleasure and they're the best applications of sex tech that I found Mm, okay so I want to touch on something else that you said about um, GhostBot, how, you know, it could be great, but also it could be hindering us developing communication skills, which kind of leads me to, there's a whole issue of ethics in sex tech. Mm. Could you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, well, so there is, there's this huge issue with, the ethical design of sex and our future. What does that look like when, you know, one person starts dictating what your future sex life could look like? And right now there's no governance around this industry. 
largely because it's been kept in the shadows, because it's taboo, because we can't even talk about sex. Mm-hmm. So if you try and talk about sex tech, you, yeah, you get kind of end up at robots and that's it. So the ethical issue is really pressing um, and there's so many different ways that we could think about this from the data of teledildonics. So if your vibrator is connected to the connected to an internet or an app that's owned by a company, what data are you sharing with them about your body and your orgasms and how much you use your vibrator Mm -hmm. to just like data beyond, you know, the sex tech lane. Like if you're sexting on um, WhatsApp or iMessage or whatever, your data is definitely vulnerable. Probably Mm -hmm. the only place it's not right now is Signal, Mm -hmm. but no one knows that. So there's so many it's kind of I refer to it as the wild west because there's so many different ways that it could go and no one there's no like global ethical committee there's not even at a country level anyone deciding hey this is this is the right side of sex tech and not and what you find in revenge porn is a great example is we designed all this technology where we can share photos, where we can, you know, share videos, where we can live stream, and we didn't really figure out the legal ramifications or anything that could help protect people. Same thing now with the metaverse and people being sexually assaulted in VR. Like, does how do we, how do we protect people? And what happens is there's this cultural lag where. We design all this cool technology and then we wait for the bad shit to happen. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, we should put some laws and punish people around that. So there's always this lag. And today, you know, a lot of countries have done stuff to make sure that revenge porn is something Mm -hmm. that can be put through the legal system, but not in the metaverse or like what sexual assault in VR is, does that even exist? And so there's, it just throws up so many questions that we could sit and chat about it for like a whole Mm-hmm. podcast um but just to know yeah there's there's a lack of ethical guidance in this industry which makes it so important to spotlight people that are doing the right thing mm-hmm. what do you think would be a good step forward like do you think there should be an ethical committee i think before that there should even be an industry association mm-hmm. you know i think that's mm-hmm. sort of the the There is no infrastructure in this industry, which is so insane because it's worth so much money. You know, it's like 122, Mm. whatever, billion dollars now. Um, But there's no way to collate market data to look at businesses. There's nothing there. So Mm. beyond before we even start thinking about ethics and how that might run across legal and other institutions, we actually need to put the industry into some sort of like container infrastructure and look at here's here's the market as it is, here's the data, here's the companies that are operating and we just don't, we don't even have that. So for me, like baby step A is forming a sex tech industry association. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you. I want to switch gears a little bit. You run a sex tech incubator kind of is that Mm -hmm. correct yeah um what are some exciting projects in the future of sex lab currently yeah oh my gosh there's so many so we have a school called sex tech school and entrepreneurs and people with ideas that want to build something or maybe they've already raised some money will come to sex tech school and spend six weeks with us refining their idea 
putting mm-hmm. something out in the world. And this is everything from, you know, using face swapping technology. I don't know if you've ever seen those videos where you can put like a celebrity's head or something on a video and it feel really real or the president's talking to you. It's kind of, again, <laughs> dystopian technology. And I think Scarlett Johansson had, you know, her image and likeness put on the body of a porn star. And, you know, people thought, oh, this is her, this is her video, but it's not. So there's all sorts of going back to the ethical ramifications around that, but there's Mm -hmm. also really interesting ideas and applications to be explored there around safety for sex workers online or for people that want to engage in sex work online. If we can use technology like that, which the you know, layman term is like face swapping technology. Mm-hmm. What about if, you know, you decide I'm going to be a sex worker and earn some extra money on the side and I'm going to use an internet face. So it's just literally a, a face that never existed before. It's entirely crafted mm-hmm. by technology, mm-hmm. but it's put on your body. So you're never recognizable. Mm-hmm. So that's one interesting <laughs> application that's coming out that's being explored around what what could the future of sex work look like and the safety side? And then we have things. We have another sexting app that's in the school at the moment that's helping you sext more safely but also better mm-hmm. with your partner. We have everything from like therapists creating platforms. It's vast and varied and that's because, as we said at the top, right, sex tech is just so many different things mm-hmm. we have people that are creating lube companies and looking at different um you know ingredients and manufacturers and how that might move we have modular sex toys so imagine like breaking apart your sex toy and being able to put a different motor on it or put a different you know Ooh. head on it that looks different and you know those sorts of things in an industry that's Sadly, so far behind because it's so taboo. Right. Like recyclable sex toys, all those things. There's so, there's just so much potential here for sex tech. So the ideas, the concepts and the prototypes that come out of the school are just, they're they're everything you can imagine, you know, and Mm -hmm. and not. They're just Mm -hmm. so different. In the sex tech school, do you talk about ethics? A little bit. Mm-hmm. I think I think I make the point that I do that there is no ethical committee. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we just really drill home. Here is where you can find the industry, the network, its players. Um, and and most people can't find the industry. Even when you're Googling sex tech, right, there's just like a smattering of media mm-hmm. um, things that come up but no real place or central hub. And so that's what we focus on is like here's how to build the hub for you of like, the players that you want, the people that are inspiring to you, and here's how to move through all the challenges that come with starting a sex tech company, which is, you know, we could start like a handbag company tomorrow and not have too much trouble opening a bank account, finding Mm -hmm. an email provider, doing uh, marketing and not being shut down off Instagram. For a sex tech company, every step of the way in building their business, they're going to encounter challenges because it's sex. Mm-hmm. I can't open a bank account at this bank. I'm not being able to use Stripe anymore as a payment processor. How do I not get taken off Facebook, for instance, our Facebook mm-hmm. page got mm-hmm. deactivated this week? It happens all the time. And so teaching, like, how do you navigate this industry that there's no resources on and, like, every at every point of growth and scale, you're going to encounter these new challenges that, like, the handbag company doesn't. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious 
it is really so taboo. How did you come to be comfortable talking about sex? Yeah, well, I think practice, first of Mm -hmm. all, and finding people that were also talking about sex. You know, as you would know with the podcast, the minute you start talking about sex, you give permission to the Mm -hmm. next person to talk about it. And also this is for people that are listening to this and would relate to of like, you're the person in the friend group that can talk about sex or bring it up with your partner, suddenly it's like this shoulder drop moment. It's this relief for other people. Oh, my gosh, they said this, like, ha-ha, I'm free to talk about it. So for me, there was a little bit of an element of practice. And then I think there's a, a part where if you put, for me, I have a podca- podcast, Future of Sex, put Future of in front, it kind of, oh, people are like, oh, it's not just sex, it's yeah. future of. And right. sex tech does the same thing, you know. If we just called it the sex industry, people wouldn't be as open to, in terms of when I say people, like the conferences that I speak at and the ideas festivals mm-hmm. and the investors I speak to, they wouldn't be as interested at, mm-hmm. or at all. But you put tech on the end and suddenly people are like, okay, yeah, cool, let's chat, it's tech. Yeah. You know, that this is fine. And I think that's a that's a really good hack for anyone, right? If you heard about sex tech and then I mean, what are we really talking about here? We're really talking about intimacy and sex. Right. I love that. Yeah. I guess I do that. I'm now thinking back the first time I really talked about sex on the podcast. I had um someone with a psychology background on and we talked about kinks. And I remember calling the episode the science of kinks because it felt yes. less vulnerable yes. than being like, oh, let's talk about my rape fantasies. You right. Know? Yeah. <laughs> and it does. It does. And there's something in that to the messaging and the narrative, which in some ways like, oh, that sucks. But no, no, that's exactly how you're able to make traction mm-hmm. and build a career or build safety, psychological safety with someone is kind of putting it in a, a nicer wrapper mm-hmm. and realizing at the end of the day, what we're talking about is sex. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to switch to long distance and mm-hmm. how sex tech can help and there are a few things I've heard you talk about. One is the, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, <laughs> teledildonics. This is my favorite word to say. Tele- no, I think you did. Okay, teledildonics. <laughs> you've been doing your research. Um, the other thing that I've heard you talk about is background Skyping. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, you know, during the pandemic, I think we're, we're all sick of talking about it, but it did <laughs> create such an acceleration for teledildonics. Suddenly mm-hmm. people were like, oh, I'm apart from my partner or from someone that I'm interested in. How can I use sex toys across long distance? It wasn't anymore this sci-fi thing that we saw in the movies. It was like, I can just go online and buy one and connect an app and they can mm-hmm. buy their masturbator or their toy and connect their app and we can share um we can share calls and videos, but we can also share like rhythm, uh, pace, vibrations, the motor speed, and I can outsource that. So it, I think, you know, the teledildonics industry has come a long way from where it was, but admittedly, it's still a clunky experience because it's still technology that relies on a Wi-Fi or Bluetooth connection. Mm. And if that, you know, yeah. <laughs> kicks out midway, you're like, what? It's not quite the same. And this is why I think when people are like, oh my God, technology is going to replace us. Like, let's remember that humans 
are the ones that have the flow that we're never going to like stop and suddenly be disconnected from mm-hmm. our internal Wi-Fi. Whereas sex toys, that totally happens, but it is fun. And there's a novelty item to that, like an, a sense of novelty and a sense of like exploration and experimentation and mm-hmm. fun that comes with that. Um, but Teledildonic started out really like the, the way that that industry was making a lot of money was through webcams. And, you know, you see cam girls that are connecting their vibrator and outsourcing it out to multiple viewers at a time who can tip them and that, you know, it's been marketed as a long distance relationship solution. Mm -hmm. But if you look under the hood, it's really, you know, the, the, the first adopters were cam girls. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. Now it's much more, you know, popular and I think, if you're not using teledildonics, you're probably doing background Skyping anyway, which is, you know, first of all, or FaceTime or whatever technology you use mm-hmm. to make a call, um, you know, having some sort of intimate sexual experience or background Skyping being this is just a portal into my world and I'm going to keep this on for hours at a time and be connected to my partner who's mm-hmm. somewhere else and not in the same room. But it feels like technology decreases the distance Mm -hmm. um and sort of shrinks or like um yeah shrinks the space between you two and you sort of uh, sharing these yeah very mundane moments of hanging out at home or maybe watching a netflix show together or whatever but Mm -hmm. they're just in the background and i mean i've done that so many times also with friends right where you're just like we're just hanging I mean, my parents basically try to do this with me every day. Like, (laughs) get so mad when I don't call and if I don't FaceTime and then I'll FaceTime and the phone is on the kitchen counter. I'm facing the ceiling. They're having a conversation with each other. The dogs are running around and I'm like, can I please get off the phone now? (laughs) But it's, it's, I mean, that is the real essence of like tech, sex, tech, right? As, As well. But like technology is so much a part of our lives now. Mm-hmm. Like we do just put a phone on the counter and like, I don't know, go pack the dishwasher while we hear our parents argue in the background. Yeah. <laughs> like if that's happening in your kitchen, it's definitely there's things that are happening in your bedroom that you're not really thinking that's sex tech or that's technology, but just like a part of, it's just an extension of us now. Mm-hmm. It's not something to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. So another thing I heard you talk about and I don't remember what it's called, but that there's technology that can have you see different genitalia. Oh, you mean um, in the VR where you can look down and change yeah. bodies? Yeah. So very much concept stage, but um, developed by a sex therapist in France was this VR. And you can see images of this online, really experimenting, but you can see how this might happen in our future is putting on a VR headset and being able to look down at your body and your body suddenly changes and it's a different gender or maybe it's a totally different morph being thing Mm -hmm. but how does that experience change the way you are after you take the headset off so the idea being if you were to look down and really believe this is what it's like to be a guy I mean that's like something I would love to do anyway. Like, haven't you always wanted to have a penis for a day? I'm just like, come on. Like, I just want to know. I, um, 
I think that it's probably necessary that I don't have external genitalia <laughs> because if I did, I think I would never stop touching it. Yeah. Like right. I would, I just, I would never take my hands off of my <laughs> balls. So I, I, it's probably good that it ended up this way because I would definitely be some kind of sex offender. Right. The other well, thank way. goodness. But you know, in VR, it could be possible for an hour or two or whatever. And that's, I think that's a really exciting possibility mm-hmm. because VR is billed as this empathy machine. It allows you to step mm. inside other people's worlds, other people's lived experiences in a way that we haven't been able to do before. Mm-hmm. That feels, you know, we're talking about now, but it does feel very real. And that's the difference. That's what's exciting about this technology is you really do feel as if you're in a different body. For, it's like a mind trick. And mm-hmm. so that sort of um, technology, we go, wow, that would be amazing for understanding what it's like to be in a different size or type of body mm-hmm. and also for being able to ask questions about sex or see like other people that have, you know, different experiences or mm-hmm. education around STIs and you could ask them questions in this somewhat safe virtual setting mm-hmm. but have a very human relating experience to that. So. It's definitely, it's definitely an exciting part of sex tech and the more futuristic side. You know, it doesn't yeah. really exist too much yet. Right, yeah. I guess, uh, you know, a reasonable application would be for trans people, but I kind of think of it more as just increasing empathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's what we need more of. Yeah. Particularly as people, you know, start to be controlled by technology or let themselves be dominated by technology and you know, not understand the magic of humans and empathy and and being able to understand one another, I think that's a really, really great application. Mm -hmm. Okay, I can't remember what it's called, but can we talk about the thing, the, like, the girlfriend Alexa? Oh, yeah. What is that called? Yeah. Um, Oh, you mean, you mean Gatebox? I think so. I, I the, the Japanese hologram. commercial. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, of yeah. Because there was another one where um, this guy died, and one of his best friends took his text messages from the last four years from his parents, from his friends, and they built this bot that would text you as if it was him, um, which was pretty amazing in terms uh-huh. of just like emotionally, psychologically, where does that take you, and does that help the grieving process, or right. does it not? Um, and so that was super interesting application, which is kind of like adjacent to when you're building just a purely tech being that you want to pretend is a human or a girlfriend, right? Mm. So this one was like based off a real person. Gatebox is based off a cartoon character anime mm-hmm. blue girl mm-hmm. and she sits in this glass case and she's projected in this glass case is like the size of like a large vase I would mm-hmm. say and you turn her on you switch the power on there's a hologram there and she does all sorts of things so like you're saying with Alexa she controls the lights in your home or plays music or the temperature or whatever you need the same way you'd use an Alexa it's mm-hmm. very similar technology you can call out to it but the difference being a, you're looking at a hologram that's moving around and responding to you and facial cues, but also will send you emotional messages. And, 
you know, we try and like fuck with Alexas or Google Homes, right, and ask mm-hmm. them stupid questions and see what they say. But this is like taking it a step further where they're actually saying, hey, I missed you at work today. How are you? And sends you these, these I guess, cues that you would have from an actual intimate partner or mm-hmm. girlfriend, which is why it's marketed as a girlfriend experience. And so Gatebox is enormously popular in Japan Enormously, I'm saying enormously because just relative to anything else I've seen, um, Gatebox has like men in the hundreds, I don't know the last number, that have married um, this technology. Mm-hmm. And, and Legally? You know, I don't think it's legal. <laughs> but Gatebox, <laughs> the company, like to yeah. think that, yeah, like to think that they, and send them a certificate and mm, then they have. Oh, um, sweet. You know, if you're an employee of Gatebox, you get the Gatebox's birthday as a day off and you get a stipend to spend on her and all that sort of stuff if you're married. So there's How do you spend money on outfits or you know, sim it's very similar like digital to gaming. outfits. Yeah. Oh, okay. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um What are your thoughts on this? I mean, mm. I right, because there is there's there's a large population of Japanese men who yes are not dating like, or dating actively. women yeah uh, so on the one hand I mean isn't some intimacy better than none mm. on the other hand is this preventing them from having mm. intimacy with a human which I don't know I guess I think of as being the goal but is that just my backwards thinking and like not being open-minded enough I don't know no I think we all have our own um feelings towards this right around intimacy and you know loneliness and how technology might aid or abate that and for me you know I just keep coming back to this filter with sex tech of like is this enhancing our intimate lives and it and it not being a full replacement now, Gatebox, if you're marrying Gatebox and you're not dating, as herbivore is the type of men they call these Japanese men that mm. don't date women is herbivores. Mm. Um, that is a complete replacement. And so for me, that doesn't, that, that doesn't fit my ethical filter mm-hmm. of sex tech of like I'm going to completely rip and replace this human experience with technology. I'm like, that's not the future I want to see. Mm-hmm. But for other people, as you said, it's totally – better than being alone and mm-hmm. and being lonely but it is such a personal decision just like most of sex is right mm-hmm. if we come to kinks or like a definition of cheating or a definition of exclusivity or different relationship styles sex is probably the most personal thing most based on our experiences and our beliefs culturally from our parents our attitudes our friends our peer groups and so with that stuff you can have a range of people going, this is awesome. I mean, there was a woman in Paris that married her own 3D printed boyfriend. You know, there's people out there that will 100% be doing that. We're mm-hmm. not going to stop that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's really how, how we feel about our own use of technology. Right. Yeah, I mean... I don't know, most of us are closer to our phones than we are to anyone what? else no. is the truth. It's the truth. It's the robot in our pocket. And yeah. people talk about sex robots and then think, well, what about your smartphone that like you carry around like an extra limb or like a, right. a partner? And frankly, you 
probably are pulling a porn on it or yeah. whatever. I don't know. I, I like literatica. Like yeah. I, like yeah, that, yeah, I pull yeah. it up on my phone. Yeah. Like I basically am having yeah. sex yeah. with my phone. Yes. Or it's just the delivery, you know, it's just a speaker in the house, you know? Yeah. Depends. Depends how it depends how emotionally attached you are to your phone. But I think a lot of us are very emotionally attached to the phone because try taking it away for a day. Oh my God. Mm. Yeah. No, people freak out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. While we're on AI, um, I know that people would be upset if we don't talk about the sex robots. So let's just spend a quick minute on that. The sex robots are here. They're not going away. They're not going um, to be mainstream anytime soon. And they're largely born out of sex dolls culture. You know, I think when Mm. you think about sex robots, we often think the same thing that we think about sex dolls. And you know, Harmony AI, which was from the company that were building some of the best sex dolls in America and came from like a props background, movie sets, props. Mm-hmm. So very, the skin's very skin-like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's completely customizable. What makes it a robot? Mm, technically not yet. And what makes it a robot is, I've forgotten the, the term, but when you can move the arms and the legs in both directions, these don't walk around so they're really Mm. technically not robots but they do have some technology in their head like ai so they can order you a pizza they can act like an alexa they can remember things that you've said and repeat it back to you and hold somewhat of a conversation still quite clunky but that's really what we consider a sex robot right now but yeah do you see it walking around not yet like Mm -hmm. that's still a fair way away we've seen pets like the the dog i'm sure you've seen those like dog robots and things that are walking around that military use a lot so there's definitely robots they just don't look like sex robots that we Mm -hmm. imagine that we've seen um films of like blade runner and go oh yeah that's what a sex robot is Mm -hmm. that's not happening right now Mm -hmm. yeah we're not quite at like westworld yeah not westworld (laughs) yet but you know at some point i'm sure we will be right Hmm. Okay. All right. I think that's that's <laughs> all we need to devote on that. <laughs> we can move right along. Um, one thing that really stood out to me is that a lot of founders in sex tech are women. Um, can you talk about why that's important? Mm. Um, you know, how it is that women started entering the space more? I mean, I would imagine the sex tech, I guess, industry was historically very cisgender male led. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really exciting since I joined the industry seven years ago to see how many women are coming up with interesting ideas based on their experiences and going and making them and raising a little bit of money and going for it, Um, whether that's Dane Products or Maud or Unbound that are really in that sex toy and accessory Mm -hmm. place. Or it's things like we discussed, like the Onut um, to deal with painful sex or private packs, which is heating and cooling pads for your privates. Um, there are a lot of women now in this industry and really leading the charge. And I think that that's because sex and the experience has been so shitty, you know, mm-hmm. and it's really been not designed for us and for vulva owners. And so there's a little bit there of, I think, a movement catalyzed by things like Me Too and Time's Up movement where we saw women come out and speak about sexual assault and have a voice mm-hmm. for the first time in like the longest time. And so if you think about those cultural movements and signals that were being picked up and the way our attitudes were changing 
at the same time we have, have all these you know 50% of the world's population going hey this could be better and here's how mm-hmm. and and so now we see a lot of women in sex tech and really power in numbers to that mm-hmm. you know being able to break through different barriers or be you know featured in the New York Times and those sorts of things there's a power in numbers game mm-hmm. which is great and yes 100% women should be designing for women mm-hmm. and and that's the real change right what advice would you give to someone who's looking to enter into sex tech? Oh, just go for it. It's the it's we're at the dawn of the industry, really. I mean, it's been around for ages, mm-hmm. but the um, energy and the momentum behind it now, with so many women in sex tech, with so much change in our attitudes towards sex, I do feel it's two steps forward, one step back in terms of you know, normalizing sex and mm-hmm. understanding, you know, what desire is and fantasy and pleasure and kink, but it's a lot more mainstream than it was five years ago. Mm-hmm. And so we're at this really interesting point in time where technology is amazing. There's so much tech out there to do so many interesting things, but what's been holding us back is our attitudes and the attitudes towards sex are changing. We're here talking about this on this podcast. Like there is an opening now for us to be able to find the money and the capital to fund cool ideas Mm -hmm. and make it happen. So my advice is really like, now's the time. You're going to be on the ground floor of one of the most, I think, exciting movements in the future Mm -hmm. that will really shape, shape, shape our lives. Mm -hmm. Like what's more important than our sexual identity and how we move in the world. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, Okay. I'm not going to keep you for much longer. I just have two more questions. First, um, I was playing around earlier with the Wheel of Foreplay website. Oh, yeah, great. It is so cool. <laughs> I can't wait to do it or, like, play around with it with Ozzy. Um, can you t- – and, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, Bryony actually – knows there is friends with Ozzy that's yeah. how we connected yeah. so it's kind of crazy the best he's the best um, <laughs> yeah Ozzy's the best can you tell us more about the wheel of foreplay yeah so wheel of foreplay and wheel of foreplay.com is the site where you can play it uh it came about through the pandemic and through figuring out what's a fun way to connect over distance or with your partner mm. most people were experiencing either extreme boredom or Mm. panic around how do I save my marriage Mm. and the middle ground for that is something that looks great and is fun to use what came about this wheel of foreplay which you know it's that you spin the wheel you can choose a different card deck that will fill the wheel and comes up with different ideas when we were all so bored or just like (laughs) can we do something different Mm -hmm. um so that's how it came about. We collaborated with YouPorn as well on that. And oh. that's so you, I don't think it's still up, but you would see some links out to porn sites as well as to sex toy stores. But it was just about injecting, hey, some sort of fun and lightheartedness into the, the world on fire situation. But also thinking about what, what ways can we do this mm-hmm. that are interesting and fun that don't feel seedy and gross. It was like, this is... This is the state of sex tech and the industry, which is, you know, designed beautifully, looks great, and is all the things that we want it to be and moves away from everything that we're just like, 
makes you feel uncomfortable, right? Like the the seediness of some mm-hmm. online stores or you think about porn sites and you're like, oh, they kind of like it's a necessary maybe for, for people who, who, who enjoy it. But evil, um, this was like a real step away in a vision of like what would it look like if we just designed beautiful things, digital products for mm-hmm. sex and for people to feel great about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is designed very beautifully. And it also, I think if you've been in a relationship for a while, things get a little stale. Like you yeah. kind of have your routine at some point. It's yeah. like a choreographed dance. Yeah, yeah. Like I do this now, you do this now. Okay, like I'm done now, you're done. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and it's sometimes it's hard to be like, hey, let's do something new. So that's a really fun oh my way gosh. to be like. Yeah, there's no there's no labor on you to th- think of something new too. Yeah. And then you just keep spinning the wheel till something fun comes up. And it's often just such a, a fun way to start an evening or a conversation or yeah because a lot of the when I was just you know spinning by myself um, a lot Which is of it totally was, great by the way <laughs> well ideas. there's actually a solo section yeah. I was not on that section <laughs> <laughs> I was just you know seeing what it's about there were a lot of things that were really just intimacy building like mm-hmm. not so much like you know do this now it was right. just like let's talk about this or let's talk about that, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. That's the, that's where we're going to start. And so I think having something that's not the pressure on either of you in the situation to come Mm -hmm. up with the idea or come up with like the cue, Mm -hmm. it's just like, that's fun until, until you get bored. Right. But it's just something different that takes all the labor off um, both people in the relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I definitely, definitely want to play with that more. It's <laughs> great. <laughs> Is it awkward for you to like think of Ozzy as being sexual? I don't know how close you are. Oh, no. Actually, okay. I mean, I think of everyone as being sexual. Okay. So you're talking to the right person. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, my poor parents, they're just like, they're, they're probably the most awkward. They're like, why are you doing this? But for me, I think, and probably for you, right, when you're talking about sex on the podcast, suddenly everyone when they know that you talk Mm -hmm. about sex publicly your cousins your aunties your you know friends of your ex is all going to talk to you about their sex and relationship problems I'm I'm not a therapist right but people come to me thinking that I might be because I talk about it publicly so it doesn't I've heard it all doesn't freak me out yeah yeah I get a lot of um I've talked a lot about how I started masturbating like as a little kid and I didn't know what I was doing Mm -hmm. I won't repeat the story because I'm sure people are just like (laughs) clawing their eyeballs out they've heard it so many times but I got a lot of dms of people people being like oh this is how I started masturbating as a kid I'm like cool awesome (laughs) hot (laughs) it's great it's just the FBI is about to tap into this and be like there's some kind of weird child porn situation going on here we need to invest all right Mm. the last thing i want to touch on and you kind of mentioned it a little earlier i think we've progressed quite a bit Mm. in our openness towards sexuality but we have a really long way to go what areas do you think we'll see some movement in in the Mm. next few years or what areas do you think we need to see the most movement in? I think generally it's just like education at a primary level, you Mm -hmm. know, from like about eight years old. I think we now realize because 
we're giving kids iPads at, you know, four years old that they're going to be exposed to porn and sexual content at a super early age. And that's what's really interesting now is there's this shift to like how can we, even if our schools and governments aren't doing it, how can we as parents or as people that are involved in these kids' lives talk to them about sex Mm -hmm. earlier and earlier? We still don't have the answers to things like, you know, that things that we don't even know are going to exist in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's something that is super important right now and is a shift happening. Obviously, there's also a bunch happening around gender and identity, that, but that's been happening for the last couple of years, which is, again, two steps forward, one step back, mm-hmm. um, with a lot of the regulations in the States um, yeah. and also here in Australia. But I think we're seeing, you know, slowly, slowly these shifts, which are moving us towards a more open society around sex a, mm-hmm. a little less shame a little less judgment and ideally we want to we want to keep going in that direction and not put sex back in the shadows mm-hmm. beautiful well thank you so much for coming on briny this thank was you. so much fun this is great <laughs> this is this is our pre-saturday night hang yeah you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> what better way to start off a night than talk about sex tech yeah yeah it's been great um we'll put all of the links in the show notes um if you're single and dating definitely check out ghostbot if you're wanting to sext check out slutbot love that name i can't get over it (laughs) sounds like something i would have invented honestly um if you're having sex alone or having sex with a partner check out wheel of foreplay highly Mm. recommend um, we'll have all of Bryony's information in there. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone who you think would take something from it. If you're looking to have sex with someone or spice up your sex life with someone, share the episode with them. And then you can have a conversation about this crazy chick who has this podcast who talks about this crazy stuff. And that'll be a conversation starter. Rate, review, subscribe. You know the drill. Love you guys. See you next week. <laughs>